Psalm chapter 96, if you turn there with me. Psalm 96. On the back of our bulletins, we have a list of the service times for Fostoria Baptist Church. Um, And in this slot, the 11 o'clock service, um, it says morning worship. That's the, that's the title, 11 o'clock morning worship. What does that mean? What does it mean um, to worship? That, uh, you know, we, we come here and we expect to worship God during this 11 o'clock service. Um, but what are we talking about when we say we're going to have morning worship? We're going to take some time this morning to talk about that. Um, naturally, as a music pastor, I think about worship a lot, <laughs> um, and it's kind of part of my job. But uh, I think we often have a misunderstanding of what worship is. Is it music? Is that what worship is? Is it, is it music? Is that all it is? Is it uh, just the time of day, 11 o'clock, it's worship time? Uh, is it just a, a fancy name that we give this service so that we think we're doing something spiritual? What is worship? Um, so I've been very, very burdened about this recently to think about our worship. Uh, and the choir knows I've been pushing them uh, recently to think about these things um, and to really mean worship, um, to, to really participate in worship. And um, I know I say this every once in a while, but when I look out during the congregational singing, I can tell some people are not worshiping. <laughs> um, well, can I see into hearts? No, but your face says it all. <laughs> and, uh, many times we come in here and we're not ready to worship. We're not, we're not ready to really bring God the reverence and the awe that he, des- that he requires and he desires uh, and that is the definition of worship. I, look, I looked it up right before the service because I didn't put it in my notes. The definition, according, according to Miriam, Merriam-Webster, is uh, a, a, a state or a, a stance of awe and reverence toward God. Um, and I think we miss that. I think we miss that a lot. We're going to be going through a lot of Scripture this morning. I don't expect you to turn to all of these passages. You can, if you would like. Um, but I'm going to be reading off a lot of Scripture. We're going to go literally from Genesis to Revelation this morning, talking about worship. And I hope it's interesting. I hope it interests you to know what the Bible says. We just heard a song about trusting His Word. And so we need to go to God's Word to find out what worship is. Um, and so I hope that interests you. But more importantly, I hope that you're willing to change this morning, not just to listen to a message, but to change the way that you worship so that it can be in accordance with God's word. It's our ultimate authority is the word of God. And if the word of God says to worship God in a specific way, we need to be willing to change so that we can be in line with God's word. So in keeping with that, let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. Father, we come to you um, desirous to please you with our lives, with everything that we say and everything that we do. And as as we're going to see this morning, Lord, worship has so much more to do with just than just our music or just a certain time of day. Our worship is our life. 
And Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds. May we be willing to see you and to learn from your word. And I pray that you would make us different, that you would change us, conform us to the image of your son today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first time that we see worship is Genesis 22. Um, I I started us off in Psalm 96, though, and we're going to go ahead and read one verse there, kind of as our starting point, as our jumping off point. Psalm 96 and verse 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Let's all read that together. Psalm 96, 9. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Hope that's your desire this morning um, to fear before him and worship him as the Bible indicates. If you'd like to turn with me, you are welcome to, um, but I'm um, going over to Genesis 22 to see the first time that we see worship in the Bible. First time that we see worship is in the context of Abraham. God has just asked Abraham, I have an important mission for you. I want you to sacrifice your only son, Isaac. I want you to give him up even though he's the promised son, even though he's the one that I've promised you uh, to make great nations from, I want you to sacrifice Isaac to me. And as far as we know, he didn't give him many more details than that. He just knew that God wanted Isaac as a sacrifice. In verse 5, the, uh, Abraham is talking to the young men that are with him there. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. The first time that we see the word worship in our King James Bibles is in this context of Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac. Now, that's interesting. That's interesting to me. Okay, it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't doesn't talk about music. It doesn't talk talk about coming to a church service to worship. Um, he's saying that he's going to go up into the mountain and sacrifice Isaac and worship. Now, I think that is interesting because this, bringing a sacrifice to the Lord, has more of a parallel to our giving, to our bringing offerings before the Lord. Is giving and the offering worship to the Lord? I think so. I think so. I think it's very clear from this passage and multiple passages that our giving to the Lord is part of our worship, our giving and offerings. Just like Abraham said, I'm going to sacrifice Isaac and worship him and uh, worship God. Uh, and much the same way we see throughout the Old Testament that people came to worship God with a sacrifice, with a gift, with something, an offering before the Lord. And that was their worship. Um, And there's something about us giving to God that really makes a difference. It really shows an attitude of worship when we're willing to sacrifice something for him. So kind of setting the stage here of what worship is, um, we see the first time that we see it is in the matter of giving of offerings. 
Our first main point, though, this morning is going to be the accompaniment to worship. Accompaniment to worship. Okay, we have people, uh, we had, we had uh, a lovely duet just now that was accompanied by a piano. So it's something that kind of goes along with the song and makes it what it is. So what is the accompaniment to worship? What, um, what, what comes along with worship and makes it what it is? Well, first of all, we're going to see that worship in the Bible is often accompanied with bowing down, bowing down before the Lord. Uh, if we go forward a couple chapters in Genesis to Genesis 24 and verse 52, it says, And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped before the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. So his worship before the Lord is accompanied by this bowing down before the Lord. Uh, and again, this is in the context of the story of Abraham and uh, getting a wife for Isaac. And this man was led by God to the perfect woman, exactly who he wanted for Isaac. And when he sees God bringing all these circumstances together, he just falls on his face, bows down before God, and worships him. Let's look at another one, Exodus 4.31. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and they had looked upon, that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Again, the idea of bowing down before the Lord and worshipping uh, the children of Israel in this case. How about another well-known person, Job Job 1, verse 20, uh, a well-known person in the Bible. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. Now, this is in the context of Job losing everything. He'd just been informed that he'd lost all of his possessions, all of his things that he'd worked so hard to build, uh, his children. He lost everything. And this is a sign of mourning, renting his garments. Uh, we don't expect you to do that when you come to church and worship. Uh, rent, rending his garments and shaving his head, uh, these, are signs that, these are signs of mourning. Um, but we see that he too fell down before the Lord and he worshiped him. Um, and there's, there is something about that posture of bowing down before God that shows how little we are and how incredible he is. And that's part of worship. Again, that idea of worship is showing God the reverence and the awe that he deserves. And when we put ourselves in our place and see him for who he truly is, that is worship. So bowing down is often accompanied by worship. Now, when we sing um, or when we are at church, we don't see a lot of people bowing down, do we? Um, just doesn't happen. I don't think we really have room with our pews to be bowing down. Um, but even if we aren't doing it physically, are you doing it spiritually? Are you doing it in your heart? Are you truly bowing down before the Lord in your heart as we worship? Something to think about. Um, that these first two areas are not areas that we're necessarily comfortable with. Worship being part of giving and worship being part of humbling ourselves, bowing down before God. So uh, worship is often accompanied by bowing down. Um, so are we seeing a difference already in the way that we worship and the way the Bible says that we should worship? 
I think there's a little bit of a difference here. I think we're going to still see even more differences as we go along. Secondly, it's accompanied by confession. Accompanied by confession. Nehemiah 9.3. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one-fourth part of the day, and another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. The idea of confessing our sins before God being part of that worship. Nehemiah had just had the scrolls and the word of the Lord read to the people, and the people saw their sin. They saw how they had turned from the ways of the Lord. And so it shows us in Nehemiah here that after reading the word of God for a fourth part of the day, okay, that's a long time, we're a fourth part of the day. You think you come to one service and it's a long time. Uh, These people were reading the Word of God for a fourth part of the day. Um, And then another fourth part of the day, they confessed their faults before the Lord and worshiped Him. Confessing being part of that, saying, God, I have sinned. I am not right with you. I've, I've done so many things against you. Forgive me. And that is part of our worship, confessing of our sins. It's accompanied by bowing down. It's accompanied by confession. Uh, thirdly, it's com- accompanied by fear. Fear, okay? Uh, I've got a couple passages for this one. They're, they're both in Psalms. Uh, in fact, we're going to be in Psalms for a little while. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you're welcome to. This is Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5 says... In verse 7, but as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. In thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Phrase that I want to draw your attention to there. Okay, let's look at uh, Psalm 96, verse 9. Psalm 96, verse 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. That one might sound familiar, like we just read that one not too long ago. Um, But it talks about that fear. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. And that fear before the Lord, again, we talk about this quite often, um, but that fear is a healthy reverence and respect. It is seeing God Almighty for who he is and trembling before him. That's the type of fear that we're talking about here. And this verse says that all the earth should fear before God. It's accompanied by fear. Fourth, it's accompanied by singing. All right, finally, found a verse about singing with worship. Psalm 66, verse 4. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. The idea of singing accompanying worship. Um, And this is just one verse that I pulled out. This is not exhaustive. I'm not going to give you every verse on worship this morning, because there's a bunch of them. Uh, We'll be here for a quarter of the day if we we try to do that. Um, But Honestly, in my search, this is the only verse that I found that had worship and singing in the same verse. Uh, I'm not going to be dogmatic on that one, um, but it's just there's just not a whole lot about it. 
but it's definitely a part of it. There's definitely a correlation between our worshiping God and our singing to God. Again, that verse says, all the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thy name. They shall sing to thy name. Selah. So several things that accompany our worship. An idea of bowing down, confession, fear, trembling before the Lord, accompanied by singing. Um, four different things there, and, uh, and we could definitely find more if we delved even deeper. Uh, but I'd like to go to our second main point this morning and look at some reasons to worship. What are some reasons to worship the Lord? As if we needed any, um, but I want to give I want to give some reasons um, so that we can be thinking about this as we worship. So we come here during our morning worship service. Why why do we worship the Lord? First of all, He is holy. God is holy. Psalm ninety nine verse five. It says, "Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at His footstool." for he is holy. Again, exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Uh, A few verses later, Psalm 99 verse 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. God is completely righteous. There's no spot in him. There's no sin. He's completely separate from sin. He is holy. And that is one reason why we lift him up. In fact, that verse 9 says that exact, exact thing. Exalt, lift up the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. We lift him up because he is perfect, because he is spotless, because he is sinless. He is holy and he alone is holy. Number two, we... We worship him because he is jealous. He is jealous. Exodus thirty four fourteen, For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Worship no other god. No one else deserves this type of worship. No one else deserves our reverence and awe because God is a jealous God. And it says you shall not serve any other god or worship them. Uh, Psalm 81, verse 9, There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. And, and we could go through the Bible to dozens of passages that talk about this exact thing. In fact, when we see the children of Israel going off the deep end and time and time again turning away from God, Usually, the problem is that they're serving false gods. They are turning away after false idols. And we see that over and over and over that that was kind of the last straw for God. That's, that's what they did right before God pushed them into captivity. They started worshiping other gods. This is very, very important to God because God is a jealous God who does not share his glory with another. He shares his glory with no other God. He says, worship me. I'm a jealous God and worship only me. And I think about um, our own lives, how many times things get in the way of our worship to God. Um, Many times we tend to worship other things. And this is a problem. This is a big problem because this is a huge deal to God that we don't worship other things. What are some things that get in the way? What are some things that we tend to worship instead of God? Maybe your job, 
Do we lift up our job above God? Maybe our family. We push our family into a prominent position over spending time with God. Maybe it's our self-image. What are the think? What are the people think about us? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to humble myself before God because what are those people going to think? I don't want to. I don't want to worship with my whole heart when I come to church because you know, there's other people that are going to think I'm crazy, um, or, or 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 whatever it may be. Um, sometimes our self-image is what we worship. Um, anything that we put in a high and exalted place above God is what we are worshiping. And I want you to think about that. Do you spend the time with God that you should each day? Um, Do you spend close communion with him each day? And if not, if you're not spending that time in his word and that time in prayer, what is more important to you that's keeping you from spending that time with God? And I'll tell you that that's what you worship. If something is coming between you and God and interests you more and takes up your time and takes you away from the Lord, that is what you're worshiping. And oftentimes we just kind of skip over this and say, oh, this is normal. Everybody does this. Um, no, nobody, nobody is on their face before the Lord for an hour um, just, just seeking him. Nobody does that. If that's what God wants you to do, and something is keeping you from that, even if it's your self-image or other people, then that's what you're worshiping this morning. Um, And I challenge you, let's worship God in the way that he deserves. He's a jealous God. He's not going to share his glory with another. Um, And if you are worshiping something else, maybe that is hindering your effectiveness for God. Maybe that is hindering from you being the Christian that you ought to be because you've put things above where the Lord should be. Reasons to worship. He's holy. He's jealous. Number three, he's kind and he's truthful. I love this verse. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for all thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Why is he worshiping God there in verse 2? He will praise his name for his loving kindness and his truth. Thy loving kindness and thy truth. This is why the psalmist is worshiping the Lord, because we serve a kind God and a truthful God. When you are worshiping the Lord, do you bring that up to him? Do you bring up to him that he is kind, he he has loving kindness, and he is truthful? Wonderful things that we can praise the Lord for. How about his faithfulness? His faithfulness is another thing that we can praise the Lord for. Uh, that we, we find that in Isaiah 49, verse 7. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. This verse is really special to me because it talks about those that are in leadership rising up and worshiping the Lord. It says that uh, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship. And by the way, I think that's completely possible for our nation. I think that's completely 
within God's scope of his power to make our leadership arise and worship him. Um, And I'm praying that way. I hope that you're praying that way. The Bible commands us to pray for those that are in authority over us. And so I hope that's a regular part of your prayer, that our president, our governor, those that are in authority over us would, first of all, be saved and that they would worship the Lord. Um, but, but why? Why are we worshiping him? In that verse 7, it says, because of the Lord that is faithful. God is faithful. And we see that. We see that time and time again, even, even just this past week, uh, as we were uh, grieving with the, with the lossings and the Yules and the family there, um, we saw God's faithfulness. We saw that God was giving joy and peace during a difficult time because he's faithful. And he deserves worship because of his faithfulness to us. Just one of those things that we can praise him for. Number five, another reason that we can worship him, because he created all things. I don't know how often you are able just to get alone in nature and reflect on God, Um, but that's a special thing. It's a special thing to get alone with God out in his creation and just reflect on how beautiful he is and how beautiful and orderly and, and incredible his creation is. And the Bible definitely, definitely reflects that. In fact, I found uh, two um, passages in Revelation that talk about that, starting in Revelation 14 and verse 7. Um, these, are the, these are the elders that fall down and worship the Lord in heaven, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. So in their worship, they are praising the Lord for all that he has created. Uh, A few chapters earlier, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. So he is worthy. He is worthy of all glory, honor, and power because he has created all things and all things, including ourselves, were made for his glory. So uh, five things, five things, uh, and obviously there's so many more things that we could, that we could point to, um, but five things that I want to focus on today and reasons that you can put into your worship. Um, these are things that you can be thinking when you worship next which I hope is now. Why, why do we worship God? Because he's holy, he's jealous, he's kind and truthful, he's faithful, and he created all things. Thirdly, let's look at the speech of worship. The speech of worship. Um, and we're going to head over to Matthew for that one, the book of Matthew chapter 8. Um, we're moving into the New Testament now. We're kind of taking this systematically through the Bible. Uh, we've gone through, I know we've hit a couple from Revelation and all, um, but uh, systematically going through, and when we get to the New Testament, it's interesting because Matthew uses the word worship in his book more than all the other ones combined, I believe. Um, he uses the word worship a lot. Um, in fact, he uses the word worship along with people's speech very often. Um, and, and you'll see here that most of the time, many times, when he uh, talks about people worshiping God, 
they're falling down and saying something to him. And that, that interests me. I want to know, what do people say when they're worshiping God? Um, and we're going to start there in Matthew chapter 8, and verse 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. This is faith. This is faith, what this leper is showing here. He falls down and worships God, and he doesn't say, God, I've, I've just had such a rough life, and, you know, this leprosy is awful, and I, I, I would appreciate it if you would, if you would heal me up, if you, if you would heal me of my leprosy. He just says one statement that's recorded in the scripture here, and it's a statement of faith. He says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. That is lifting up God. That is showing that God is awesome, that God is powerful, and God can do anything. And he was showing faith in this verse by saying, you can do it. You are powerful enough. You, if you just say the word, you can make me clean. Similar, um, a similar idea in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9 and verse 18 while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. What is that? Faith again. This is faith, saying all that you have to do is lay your hand on my daughter, and she will live again. He had faith. He's lifting up Jesus Christ, saying, you're able, just one hand, you're able to do great things. Uh, Matthew 14, Matthew 14, verse 33. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Faith, faith again. These people in the ship are, 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 are just awed by the power of Jesus. And they say, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. You have, you have mastery over all things. Just speak the word, and all things obey your voice. And they say, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Next chapter, Matthew 15, verse 25. Then came she... And worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. I'd like to look at this one um, in its context here. Um, again, we're in Matthew 15, um, verse 22. It says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out the same coast and said unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter's grievously vexed. Make sure that we're in the right spot here. Yep. Um, grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but those into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Um, this is even, I think, in my mind, another step of faith that this woman is showing. Because Jesus has told her, no, <laughs> I'm sent to Israel. I'm not sent to the Gentiles. Um, 
But this woman is persistent, and she has so much faith that she just falls down before him and worships him and said, Lord, help me. She's realizing that Jesus is the only one that can give her help. Um, And verse 26, he again says, no, I'm not sent to your people. I'm sent to the people of Israel. Um, But she's persistent. She is is convinced that Jesus is the only one that can help her. She's showing faith here. Um, And that's what Jesus says in verse 28. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We see a lifting up of Jesus Christ in faith, realizing that he is able and he is worthy. Um. And I think one of, the, one of the best examples that we can get of the speech that God desires during worship is the, um, the angels and the elders in heaven. Um, and so going back, we, uh, we read one of these verses just a moment ago, but this is Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And this is what the elders that are before the throne of God this is what they say in their worship. I, I, again, this, is, this, this isn't people. This isn't, this isn't human beings. These are the people that are in the presence of God, that God has stationed there to worship him. This is what they say when they worship God. This is Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Again, we saw this verse a little while ago, but this is what these men say. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Does that sound like your worship? Does that sound like our worship here? Um, It should be. It should be how we worship God. Just a a solemn humbleness before the Lord, saying, God, you are worthy of all things. You're worthy of everything. And it doesn't matter how I look. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what other people think about me. It doesn't matter how, how, um, how I look or how I'm dressed or any, any external thing. What matters is that God is pleased and that God is lifted up and that, and that I am put down. And that is the idea of worship here. This is the speech that accompanies worship. That speech that lifts him up, says, you are able, you are worthy. It's the speech of faith that accompanies worship. Number four, and our last main point here, are the requirements for worship. Okay, we see throughout the Bible um, just a few requirements for worship. We're just going to touch on two of them this morning. Um, And one in particular that says that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. And there's several passages that talk about this idea. Uh, starting in John four twenty three, But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the, for the Father speaketh, or seeketh such to worship him. Okay, so again, true worshipers 
shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So those that are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Okay? Uh, Acts 17, verse 25. Neither is worshiped. Okay, let me give you a little context for this one. This is Paul talking to the Greeks, um, and uh, he's talking to them about the unknown God, uh, the, the altar to the unknown God, and he's declaring him unto them. He says, This God neither is worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So God is not worshipped with men's hands, with the physical. He's worshipped in spirit. Okay? Uh, Philippians 3.3, 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Okay? We could... We could do, do, do in the flesh all that we wanted, and it will never please God. We see that in the scriptures, that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All of the great accomplishments of the apostle Paul, he counted as dung because he saw that our works are nothing. And without Christ, our lives are nothing. And that's why God requires that we worship him in spirit and in truth. We are worshiping him from our hearts from our spirits, according to the truth of the Word of God. When we worship God, are we doing it in spirit? Are we truly worshiping? Um, let's take our giving, for instance. Are we wor- this is a requirement, again, to worship God. When we give, are we doing it out of a spirit of worship and humbleness and humility before the Lord, realizing that we don't own anything? All that we give belongs to God, and we're giving that to Him. If not, if we're not doing it out of the right spirit, then it's not worship, and God is not pleased with that, and we're just giving out of habit, and it's worthless. Really, really just, really just throwing away the opportunity that God gave us to worship Him. How about our music? And this is, I got to talk about music. I'm the music pastor. Um, how about our music? We, are we worshiping God this is a requirement that we do it in our spirit, not with our mouths, not with our, uh, not, not with our instruments. Um, though that has very little to do with our worship. Our main worship should come from our heart, our spirit. Are you doing it in your heart? When you're given opportunities to worship God in song, are you doing it in your heart? Um, such a passion of mine because I see so many, and from all outward appearance, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like you're convinced. It doesn't look like you're lifting up God and exalting Him above all else. We've, we've turned to a form of godliness, but we've denied the power thereof. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. First of all, a requirement for worship is that we do it in spirit and in truth. Again, going back to the Word of God, His Word is truth. We're to do it according to the Word of God. Secondly, obedience is required for worship. This is interesting. John chapter 9, verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So God doesn't hear sinners. God doesn't hear those that have sin in their lives, that are living in sin. God doesn't hear those people. Who does he hear? What worshipers does he hear? Those that do his will, 
those that have their sin completely out of their life, those that do his will, those are the ones that God hears. Those are the true worshipers before the Lord. So if we come into this house to worship God and we have sin in our lives, that's automatically canceling it out. That's automatically saying, no, God's not going to accept that worship because you are living in sin. Um, we need to have our sins confessed before the Lord. That's why we have times of prayer during our worship. That's why we, um, that's why we encourage you to come in here with a serious attitude, a serious mindset. Because if we are doing this flippantly and we have not confessed our sin, again, remember that's one of the accompaniments to worship is confession of sin before the Lord. We looked at that in our first point. If we are not confessing our sins during our worship, and we still have that sin in our hearts, God will not accept that. God will not hear us, as is, as is mentioned in this passage. Um, so again, just, just two things that I want you to focus on right now. We could go through many other things in the Bible that are requirements, but I think if we get those two things down, it'll help a lot. Um, and I think a lot of us can change the way that we worship through focusing on these two things, coming in obedience, um, freedom from sin, and then worshiping Him in spirit instead of just with our bodies and the outward appearances. Is there such a thing as vain worship? Um, and I just, I just got two more thoughts for you um, before we close. Uh, and I told you that we would get to this one. But it's in Matthew chapter 15 um, and verses 8 and 9. Uh, we were just here talking about the, uh, the lady that came to Jesus for, for healing. She came to faith and she was persistent. Well, he had just finished giving an example here, um, and I want to look at this. Um, he's, uh, he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes here in the beginning of chapter 15, um, and uh, he's not going easy on them. <laughs> he never does. Uh, Jesus Christ was uh, laying it on hard on these guys. We start in verse 7. He says, "'Ye hypocrites!' Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Wow. In vain do they worship me. What does that word vain mean? Empty worthless. They're worshiping me. There's no doubt about that, at least in form. <laughs> They're worshiping me, but it's vain and empty and worthless. Is that our worship today? Is that your worship? Is it vain and empty? Are you trying to bring an offering before the Lord that's, that's, that's worthless? Let's, let's look at that verse, those verses again, starting in 8. Verse 8, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And this is why we say that we worship God in spirit, because your mouth can be singing praises all you want to the Lord and it not do any good. Your, your mouth can say great things about the Lord and your heart can be far from him. Your heart can be in a completely different place. Let's have our heart where it should be, our spirits before the Lord in reverence and awe when we come to worship Him. And then it won't be vain. Verse 9, but in vain do they worship me, 
teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. This is one thing that Jesus just couldn't stand about the Pharisees. <laughs> As we read through the scriptures, he, was, he, he just get fired up about this, that these Pharisees would teach the commandments of men like they were from the Bible. Um, and and their, their things, their laws, and their standards that they had lifted up, oh, I'm so great, I'm better than all these other people. And they were lifting up these things, and they'd miss the core. They'd miss the root of the issue. Their hearts were far from God. Even if they did all of these things on the outside, it would be like us coming to church, and we come into this building, and we sit in our pew, we have our Bible, we're, we're, we're dressed up, we are, you know, we are ready to go, and we've, we've done all these things on the outside, and it looks like we're worshiping God, but our heart is far from Him. Is that true of us? Is your heart far from Him? How about this morning when we were worshiping? Was your heart in tune with the Lord? Was your heart, was your heart right there with Him? Did you, did you sense God's presence in your worship, or was your heart far from Him? Vain worship. Let's not get stuck in that trap. Many of us struggle with it. I struggle with it. Let's make sure that our hearts are close to the Lord in our worship. Lastly, uh, let's go over to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. Um, I told you we were going all the way through the Bible today. We uh, started in Genesis, and we're all the way at the end of Revelation here. John has been in heaven He's seen these visions of all this grandeur of the Lord sitting upon his throne, of these elders falling down and worshiping, uh, of these cherubim that would uh, fly around and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Um, And he saw all of this grandeur, all of these people worshiping the Lord, and he's overwrought, he's overwhelmed. Verse 8, uh, Revelation 22, verse 8, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard, when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. This is, this is just how in awe John is of the glory and majesty of God. He falls down and worships this angel that had shown him these things. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant." and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Worship God. That's the command. And that's our command today. And if there's one thing that I can leave you with this morning, it's just that. Worship God. Don't, don't fall to the, to the lies of our, uh, of our systems don't, don't fall to the lies of this world that say you can just worship on the outside and be just fine. No, truly worship God. And as we're singing, as we're giving in the offerings, as we are having our times of prayer before the Lord, and even as we're listening to the message, we can be worshiping God. In fact, every part of the service should be worship to the Lord. Let's broaden that scope. Not just worship, not just not just at church, but all throughout our week should be worshiping God. God doesn't just expect us to worship here, um, but how can we worship God elsewhere? When we're at work, when we're with our family, let's think about these things. Let's think about ways that we can be worshiping the Lord and standing in awe and reverence of Him all throughout our week.
Worship, it's a great time to do at 11 o'clock a.m. That's wonderful. But let's do it all the time. And, and let's expand our worship so that we have a reverence and awe of God all throughout our week and everything that we do. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth. God's going to be glorified through that. Hope that you'll think, think through these things even while we're doing Bibles down here. What a time to worship God. What a great time to worship the Lord. Uh, and Brother Chad mentions that often about just praying, praying to the Lord uh, while you're doing these things. Um, and not just praying, but, but being in an attitude of reverence and awe as we're doing these Bibles and as we're doing anything in our lives. Um, I've talked long enough, uh, but I hope that the Holy Spirit will continue to work and continue to show us how we can worship Him in a greater and a better way. Let's pray. Father, Many times we just rush into our prayers without thinking about you and who you are. 